Good afternoon, everyone. We're going to start uh, the Historic Preservation Commission for today. Okay, good afternoon and welcome to the San Francisco Historic Preservation Commission hearing for Wednesday, uh, September 20th, 2023. To enable public participation, SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live and we will receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. Each speaker will be allowed up to three minutes and when you have 30 seconds remaining, you will hear a chime indicating your time is almost up. When your allotted time is reached, I will announce that your time is up and take the next person queued to speak. We will take public comment from persons in City Hall first and then open the remote access lines. For those persons participating via WebEx, the password is HPC2023 and you'll need to raise your hand using the raised hand icon when the item you're interested in speaking to is reached. For those persons calling in to submit their testimony, you need to call 415 and enter access code 26641547364 and then press pound twice. Uh, again, you'll need to wait for the item you're interested in speaking to and for public comment to be announced. To comment, you must enter star three to raise your hand. And once you've raised your hand, you'll hear a prompt stating that you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When you hear that you are unmuted, that is your indication to begin speaking. Best practices are to call from a quiet location and please mute the volume on your television or computer. For those persons attending uh, here in City Hall, I'll ask that you please come forward and line up on the screen side of the room or to your right. Please speak clearly and slowly and if you care to, state your name for the record. Um, finally, I will ask that we all silence any mobile devices that may sound off during these proceedings. And at this time, I will take roll. Commission President Matsuda. Here. Commission Vice President Nagaswaran. Yes. Commissioner Foley. Aye. Commissioner Vergara. Here. And Commissioner Wright. Here. Thank you, Commissioners. First on your agenda is general public comment. At this time, members of the public may address the Commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Commission except agenda items. With respect to agenda items, your opportunity to address the Commission will be afforded when the item is reached in the meeting. Each member of the public may address the Commission for up to three minutes. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Seeing no members of the public in the chambers coming forward, let's go to our remote caller. Hello? Hello. Hi, um, my name is Beth De Araujo. I am a writer and director of film and television. I split my time between LA and San Francisco. I grew up in the inner Richmond on 17th Avenue in Geary. The Alexandria Movie Theater is where I fell in love with movies and learned- Ma'am, I'm sorry, I'm gonna interrupt you. This is for general public comment for items that are not on today's agenda. So oh, when, when the I'm Alexandria, so that's quite all right. When the Alexandria Theater comes up, uh, you will then be able <laughs> to speak to it. Um, but just a heads up, we expect the Alexandria Theater to be continued. So you will only be able to speak to the matter of continuance, not the project itself. Um, last call for general public comment for items not on today's agenda. 
Seeing no request to speak, Commissioners, general public comment is closed, and we can move on to department matters. Item one, department announcements. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Rich Sucre, department staff. Um, I just wanted to pull your attention to a new landmarking uh, that the Supervisor Walton introduced at the Land Use Committee. Um, Supervisor Walton introduced a landmarking um, uh, initiation for the San Francisco Fire Station number 44, with it, which is in Visitation Valley. You might remember this building from one of the three properties that SF Heritage um, had been working on out in this way. And so when the staff re receive the referral from the board, we will happily work on this landmark designation. The other item that I want to draw your attention to or inform you of is on Monday, um, September 25th, we are hosting our open forum for the African American Historic Context Statement in partnership with the George R. Davis um, Senior Center um, out in the Bayview at 1736 Carroll Avenue. This should be a really one, one, fun and fabulous event, I will say, um, as a way of celebrating San Francisco's black history and also informing everyone about the good work that the context statement has. So if you're able to attend, we would love to have you. Um, we do anticipate Supervisor Walton preparing a few remarks for us. Um, the event will be from four to seven um, at the George R. Davis um, Senior Center. So I will happily forward you information on that event. And this concludes um, our announcements. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if there are no questions for Mr. Sucre, Commission Matters, Item 2, Consideration of Adoption Draft Minutes for September 6, 2023. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the Commission on their minutes. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star 3 or raise your hand via WebEx. Seeing no request to speak, Commissioners, public comment on your minutes is closed and they are now before you. Motion to approve. Second. Thank you, Commissioners. On that motion to adopt your minutes, Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nagas Warren? Yes. And Commissioner President Matsuda? Yes. So moved, Commissioners, that motion passes unanimously five to zero and places us on item three, Commission comments and questions. Are there any Commission comments or questions today? Seeing none, I think we can move on. Very good, Commissioners. Um, item four, Architecture Review Committee appointments. Um, so I'd like to appoint three members of the uh, Historic Preservation Commission to the ARC, um, Pres uh, Vice President Richura Nagaswaran and Commissioner Jason Wright and myself. I will serve as uh, the ARC member at large. As you are aware, we have two other commission positions that are open right now, and I believe that they will be filled by architects. So once I, I believe that they uh, feel that they are ready and to undertake, I think, a more technical review of our cases, then I will step down and become the at-large member and appoint one of them. Okay, if there's no comments or Any discussion. Comments or questions? <laughs> Thank you. Very good. Commissioners, um, that will place us on consideration of items proposed for continuance. Item five, case number 2021-010176 COA at 2259 through 2261 Fillmore Street, a certificate of appropriateness is proposed for continuance to October 18th, 2023. Item six, case number 2023-005134 CRV. 
for the Downtown Conservation District gui Design Guidelines. Um, it was up for your adoption, but now is proposed for indefinite continuance. Further commissioners under your regular calendar, item eight, case number 2023-003458-DES for the Alexandria Theater at 5400 Gary Boulevard landmark designation is proposed for continuance to November 1st, 2023. And finally, commissioners, item 14 for case number 2019-017325-COA at 109 Liberty Street, a certificate of appropriateness is proposed for continuance to October 18th, 2023. I have no other items proposed to be continued, uh, so we should take public comment on all the matters um, that have been proposed for continuance, only on the matter of continuance. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand. Seeing no request to speak, commissioners. I think we have somebody from Supervisor Chan's office. Oh, yes, indeed. Hi, President Mavsud and Commissioners Kelly Groth with Supervisor Chan's office here to speak on the continuance of the uh, landmarking designation for the Alexandria Theater. Um, I believe that you have the letter from Supervisor Chan, um, but I wanted to read it into the record as well. Um, Dear Historic Preservation Commissioners, on Tuesday, September 19th, the property owners of the Alexandria Theater, Time Space Group LLC, and I have agreed to explore a development agreement to develop, to develop the theater into 76 units of housing with affordable housing units on site and efforts to preserve the history of the already deemed historically resourced Alexandria Theater. It's my goal that the development agreement will also incorporate historic preservation recommendations based on the staff report provided by Shannon Ferguson. And I want to sincerely thank Shannon for her work in putting together the report and recommendations. Considering this agreement, I would like to request the Historic Preservation Commission continue the item to a date certain in November so my office and the property owners can continue to draft the development agreement together and present to you the information before you make the decision and recommendation on landmarking historic features for the theater. Thank you for your consideration and understanding. Thank you very Thank much. You. Okay, last call for public comment on items proposed to be continued. Seeing none, public comment is closed and your continuance calendar is now before you, commissioners. Motion to continue, all. Second. I just have one comment about um, one of the item, agenda items that uh, is being proposed for continuance, the Alexandria Theater. I noticed that in the executive summary, it talks about enforcement action, um, particularly regarding the blade, and then there was a photo of the blade, and I'm just, mm -hmm wondering if we can um, somehow incorporate more information when enforcement actions are being enforced and proposed, because uh, we, are, we are talking about historic properties, and um, even though it may not be specific, uh, specifically related to the landmark designation, I think it's a very important component and something that we definitely should be informed of when things like this are considered, so I'm not sure if Mr. Sucre or Ms. Ferguson want to address that, but I just uh, want to bring that up. And um, another thing is that uh, we did receive a number of comments, and I, I'm hoping that the people who did take the time to submit comments can be further informed about process and procedure for landmark designation, because it did seem like there was some misinformation. 
Hi, Commissioner Matsuda, Rich Sucre, Department Staff. Happy to address. Um, yes, we'd be very happy to include more information in the staff packets um, regarding enforcement action. Obviously, this property you may have seen in the news quite a bit. Our staff and our enforcement team leader, Kelly Wong, who is also one of our architectural conservators on staff, um, has been working with the property owner very, very diligently on the current enforcement actions. And so we're happy to provide the commission more information <coughs> for future projects. Um, also in terms of what the enforcement process um, entails. And then relative to the request and the information we've received um, from the public and the purpose of the landmarking, obviously, um, you know, landmarking can sometimes be a little bit of an obtuse process. Um, in our specific instance, we are not able to factor in potential projects into a landmark designation. Um, and so we don't currently have a project on file. We don't have a project proposed. Um, so we take each landmarking designation accordingly as kind of dictated by Article 10 of the Planning Code. Thank you. I, I'm sorry, there was a motion and there was a second. Oh, Commissioner Nuggets Warren. Sorry. Uh, it, uh, as far as uh, process goes, one other thing that I wanted to uh, um, ask that is clarified for folks is um, even though whether or not this building becomes a landmark or not, it's still a category A building and therefore any changes that would happen, whether it's housing or anything else, has to go through the EIR process. Is that correct? Um, it would go through environmental review, correct. Environmental so review. We, okay. we, we consider the existing property category A for the purposes of CEQA. Um, so any potential projects that occur at the site um, would have to undergo the department's um, CEQA review procedures. Right. And if it, if, if it was a dramatic change, such as like using just the facade and building a building behind it, that could potentially go through an EIR process. Correct, potentially. Yes, okay, thank you. Commissioner Wright? Yeah, and, and I, I also wanted to just add to that, I think for clarity, and, and uh, Mr. Sucre can, can chime in, but um, I think that um, the landmarking review is, uh, or, uh, um, is strictly a review of the building and the, and the resource, and then any project that comes thereafter uh, you know, it may have adverse effects or it may have impacts to the historic uh, features of the building, but then that's all evaluated in, um, you know, not in a vacuum, kind of in, in total. Correct. Thank you. So we do have a motion and a second. Indeed we do. On that motion to continue items as proposed, Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nagas Warren? Yes. And Commissioner President Matsuda? Yes. So moved, Commissioners. That motion passes unanimously five to zero and will place us under your regular calendar. For item seven, case number 2023-005133-CRV for the ACOA and MPTA delegation agreement. This is a two-year update um, for your consideration to adopt amendments. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Jonathan Vimmer, Department Staff. The item before you is the readoption of the Delegated Scopes of Work Agreement, a core function of the Department's preservation program. As a reminder and for the public's awareness, review of largely exterior changes to locally designated buildings falls within one of three tiers. A small number of scopes that are codified as exempt from entitlement, provided they meet the standards, 
those that have been delegated to staff for department level entitlement and review before this commission for anything else. As noted in your packet, staff have processed over 1,200 of these staff level entitlements in the last decade. As the last update was quite thorough and little is prepared to be proposed to be changed, I'll be brief with no grand presentation. There are three new scopes proposed for inclusion. Temporary art installations not to exceed 60 days in the C3R downtown district. Exterior utilities such as gas meters. And signage, uh, unless otherwise exempt from the provisions of articles 10 and 11. Uh, the, one other change is that there's no required tier up, update. Rather, we will update the delegation at the call of either this body or department staff as needed. And lastly, I'd like to read into the record one minor revision to scope number 24 pertaining to signage that for simulated neon signs, staff shall review a mock-up um, in order to assess the quality of the simulated light um, being proposed. And that's really it. It's some small tweaks, but happy to answer any questions and dive into anything you may have. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, um, if that's it for the presentation, we should open up public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this matter. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. Seeing no request to speak, public comment is closed, and this matter is now before you, commissioners. Commissioner Nagus Warren. Um, I just had one question for Mr. Vimmer. Um, uh, can you just briefly, um, for you know, the public to understand, if there is an appeals process, how, what does that entail? Yes, so each staff in delegated entitlement does have a 20-day, the code actually specifies it's 15 days for a member of the public, it's 20 days for a commissioner of this body, um, but um, these are sent out to every single member of the Historic Preservation Commissioner as well as interested members of the public. They're also published online to the case record in PIM. Um, as soon as they are issued, they're up and available publicly. Any member of the public may request for a hearing. Um, and that falls within that 15 days for the members of the public, 20 days for a commissioner. And um, that's happened three times out of the 12, over 1,200 instances. Um, in neither instance of those three was the department's determination overturned. Thank, Thank you. you. Any other questions from the commission? Motion to adopt. I'll second. Thank you, commissioners, on that motion to adopt the amendments. Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nagus Warren? Yes. And Commission President Matsuda? Yes. So moved, commissioners. That motion passes unanimously five to zero. Um, again, item eight for the Alexandria Theater has been continued to um, November 1st, and that will now place us on item nine for case number 2015-005890 DES for the Sacred Heart Parish Complex at 546 through 548 Fillmore Street, 554 Fillmore Street, 735 Fell Street, and 660 Oak Street. This is also a landmark designation. Good afternoon, commissioners, department staff, Shannon Ferguson. I'm here today to present the department's recommendation regarding landmark designation of the former Sacred Heart Parish Complex located on Fell, Fillmore, and Oak Streets in the Western Addition neighborhood. The Sacred Heart Parish Complex landmark designation was funded by the Historic Preservation Fund Committee and prepared by historic preservation consultant Elaine Brown Stiles. 
Uh, the parish complex consists of the church, constructed in 1898 and 1909, the rectory, first constructed in 1891 and enlarged in 1906, the school, constructed in 1926, and the convent, constructed in 1936. Sacred Heart Parish Complex is significant for its association with the Western Edition and Catholic religious institutions in San Francisco in the late 19th and early 20th, 20th centuries. It's also significant for its association with Father Eugene Boyle, pastor of the church from 1968 to 1972. Father Boyle was a prominent and influential civil rights activist in the 1960s and 70s. He was involved in the black civil rights movement, the Vietnam War, urban renewal, fair housing, and the farm worker labor movement in San Francisco. Finally, Sacred Heart Parish Complex embodies the distinctive characteristics of the Romanesque revival style. The church and rectory are also significant for their association with master architect Thomas J. Welsh, a well-known Northern California architect. Staff recommends two periods of significance, circa 1891 to 1936 and 1968 to 1972. The first period encompasses the full development of the component buildings in the parish complex, and the second period encompasses the tenure of Father Boyle. This recommendation does differ from the designation report, which has a long period of significance of 1891 to 1972. Two periods of significance better encompass the parish complex association with events, persons, and architecture. In an effort to provide clarity, staff has refined the character-defining features from those listed in the landmark designation report. Staff has also removed two items from the list of character-defining features. The first is the wood connector between the choir loft and the rectory. It's seen in the top right photo um, in front of you. It's unknown exactly when it was constructed, and there is no building permit for it, um, and it doesn't appear to have been planned as the original part of this parish complex. The second item is in the, the interior. After consulting with prop the property owner of the church, uh, the department recommends inc including only exterior character-defining features in the landmark designation in order to retain the property owner's flexibility to pursue adaptive reuse of the building. Exterior character-defining features would remain the same as proposed during initiation for the church. Um, I did want to note that there is a typo on page 5 of the ordinance. Um, I would like to strike lines 24 and 25 as it refers to the connector bridge. Um, and there is no known public or neighborhood opposition to designation of Sacred Heart Parish Complex as a landmark. The department has received many letters in support of landmark designation, which are included in your packets and also have been emailed to you over the past few days. Um, I'll provide any additional correspondence um, received after submittal um, in the Historic Preservation Commission's correspondence folder. Um, the department believes the building meets the established eligibility requirements and landmark status is warranted. The department recommends the HPC recommend designation to the Board of Supervisors. This concludes my presentation. I'm available for any questions. Thank you. If there are no immediate questions to staff, we should open up public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this matter. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Come on up. Is the overhead projector working? Uh, it should be. Um, 
just lay, if I just lay something on there, will it, will it automatically respond? And, and may I may I give you a handout here? Just put your. Um, I'm Mark Reiser here, representing the Historic Preservation Fund Committee. It's this has been a long road. I believe that the prior com a prior commission in 2016 first heard this item, so. Um, I'm not sure how many of you were on the commission at that time, so if I might just briefly provide a context. The Historic Preservation Fund Committee was a, a resulted from a citizen's lawsuit over the violations of conditions of approval by Forest City Development of the, when they demolished all but the Market Street facade of the Emporium Department Store. That settlement resulted in a $2.5 million payment to the city, but then which was overseen um, by the fund committee, a group of citizens, and you have an appointee on that committee who is Robert Cherney, uh, and we existed uh, under the umbrella of the mayor's office. Our work is largely completed at this point, uh, but this item, um, and we made approximately 50 grants um, and um, to neighborhood organizations and nonprofits, although in fact our largest grantee by far was, was the planning department itself, who, who received perhaps as much as a third of our funds over time for various context statement and survey work. The uh, landmark nomination which we commissioned for Sacred Heart was an, was an exception to our process of using a RFP process and waiting for a proposal to react to. There were no community groups, uh, nor did the department at that time come forward with a proposal to create a landmark case report for Sacred Heart. We initiated this uh, and turned the results over to the planning department. I am in general here to wholeheartedly support a, a balanced and genuine landmark nomination for, for Sacred Heart Complex, but especially the sanctuary building. I have to digress to say I, I'm astounded by, if I didn't miss here, Shannon indicating that uh, at this moment they are modifying the staff report uh, to you and rem once again removing the, the, the bridge between the buildings. Um, did I, did I, well, I would, I would ask uh, if, if perhaps you'd clarify, if there's any question in your mind, if you'd clarify that that is in fact what's being proposed. I have nonetheless some, some questions which I hope perhaps you'll clarify for the public and some concerns about, about the report. Is that my 30 second bell? Yes, it is. It is. I'll be, I'll be very quick. I outlined those concerns in letters to, to staff. To, to Rich and to Shannon uh, early this week. I only, I only saw the report, or I only received the report last Thursday about the same time that you did. My concerns have to do with a lack of specificity in, in the calling out of the features of exterior significance on, on the sanctuary building, the um, unclarity, now clarity over the removal of the bridge, and I will, I will close there and ask if you would uh, provide us some additional clarification on those points. Thank you. <clears throat> Greetings to the members of the board present and those of the Preservation Commission. My name is Robert O. Pritchard, Vice President of the still existing Sacred Heart Gospel Choir and member of the Save Our Sacred Heart Preservation Group and Victorian Alliance. 
I stand here to also represent our many parishioners who are equally impassioned for our incredible historic church, but during these years in exile have passed away. For more than two decades, we have strove to seek to get this far to a much-deserved designation of landmarking. For the record, Sacred Heart was never abandoned by its parishioners. Only upon eviction and suppression and the locking of the doors did we resign to having to leave. The family of the eminent architect, Thomas J. Welsh, also anxiously await his once surviving San Francisco ecclesiastical structure to be landmarked to stand testament to his brilliance. Many of his other non-religious buildings have long held landmark status. Please let's add his last church. If her health allowed, great-granddaughter Patricia Welsh would stand in front of you with me in person today as well. Since the 1980s, I have cared for Sacred Heart physically, even after our closure until 2010. Financially paid and did repairs myself when the archdiocese would not get repairs done to protect the church's structure. In my hand, I hold the original copy of the National Trust nomination papers. As my deceased legal spouse, Thomas R. Conwell, and I personally funded this to occur. It was unanimously voted on record as eligible on January 29, 2010. I implore you all to look at the magnificent architecture we enjoy to see gleaming golden in the sun every day. The trademark Campanile is a beacon landmark anchoring the Hayes Valley and Western Edition from many vantage points in the city. There is only one other Catholic church in all of California built in this style. St. Andrews in Pasadena built in 27, clad in stucco, not the iconic yellow brick. It is already long ago on the National Register of Historic Places and is still allowed to be an active parish. Sacred Heart holds a place on many important civic levels as well. It provided shelter after the 1906 earthquake and it stood in solidarity under Father Eugene Boyle while he was an activist during the Civil Rights Movement. Originally comprised of notable Irish families of San Francisco, the Fays and Gallagher's of Grove Street, architect Charles Devlin, building contractors the Mahoney's and Keenan's, Matthew Cavanaugh of 722 Steiner, and his now iconic Painted Ladies Row, Dr. John Lagan and the family of boxing legend gentleman Jim Corbett. Time does not permit me to go into the details of all the campus buildings. I close imploring you to mindfully grant landmark status to this incredible edifice and campus. Thank you. Okay, um, last call for public comment. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Simon Yip. Uh, on behalf of uh, the owners, I just want to say on record that we fully support the landmarking and I'm available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's go to our remote caller. Good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, this is Robert Cherney. Uh, I am your representative on the Historic Preservation Fund Committee. I'd like to repeat the concerns that Mark Reiser has uh, raised for you. And since there is a representative of the owner here, uh, I should add that it was our impression on the fund committee that the owner had no objection to including that uh, connector between the rectory and the, and the church building itself as part of the landmark nomination. So I'm especially curious as to why that was removed. Thank you. 
Okay, final last call for public comment. If you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. Seeing no additional requests to speak, commissioners, public comment is closed, and this matter is now before you. Commissioner Vergara? If I could ask this question of, of Ms. Ferguson, uh, echoing uh, Professor Turney's question, is there a reason why it was thought we could uh, Yeah, as I stated before, we really don't know when it was constructed. There's no building permit. Um, it doesn't appear to have been part of the original parish complex itself, and I don't believe it's taken on significance over time. Thank you. Commissioner Foley. Thank you. Um, I, I understand kind of the the angst around the around the bridge, but I think that the the planning staff and the department has actually done a lot of work on figuring out that that was not a contributor, and we don't really know when it was built. So, as much as I understand, some people would like to see it there. I I would support the staff. I would like to say that um, I really do applaud the building ownership. Um, supporting this designation, and I think the building itself is actually fabulous. I have a little bit of a, a soft spot in my heart around old churches, so thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner Nagus Warren. Um, I have a question about the interior character defining features and why that was excluded at this point, um, and also to understand whether or not uh, they are considered public spaces to which we would have any purview. Yeah, after um, consulting with the, the property owner, we did decide to remove the character-defining features on the interior just to allow more flexibility for adaptive reuse. Um, it, I guess it would be considered a public space um, since it was used as a church. Um, uh, I believe it's still a church of eight, eight wheels, so it is publicly accessible at this point. Um, yeah, I think looking at the um, images of the nave, the altars, and also the stained glass, which is kind of inside, outside, um, I, I'm not sure if it would be appropriate to include character-defining features of the interior. Um, and I say that because I, I would hope that even with a potential project that the sponsor would want to maintain that space. Um, you know, sometimes when we enter, when we're looking at a complex, we enter the building and it's completely gutted. You have no concept of how it was used. Um, and so I think it would be a loss to not have the interiors of these buildings. Um, especially the nave and the altars and the stained glass. So um, I think I'll ask Mr. Sucre sure. or Happy Mr. to Anderson. provide some insight for you, Commissioner. So keep in mind, this is ultimately up to you all to decide on um, what you think is most appropriate relative to the exterior or the interior. You know, in most cases, with when we're working on landmark nominations, um, we do work with the owner to the extent that we can to try and balance um, the needs of, you know, recognizing the property and, you know, coming to a balance. We know that there has been a project that's kind of been 
anticipated here in over time and you know we do find that the exterior of the church um, kind of best and most emblematically kind of represents that so we obviously we do know and recognize that um, churches you know the interior is just as important oftentimes given the um, emphasis on the sanctuary and um, the nave and the, the kind of institution of it. So in this particular instance, you know, we decided that the interior, the exterior was probably best um, in terms of representing the history of the property and, and what had happened there um, over time. Um, so, but um, for example, we still would be conducting review under CEQA, um, particularly for the interior. Um, it, so any other additional project, we still will be examining the interior as well. and. Um, Given the what we have in Article 10, um, we we felt that it might overly burden the sponsor if they want to propose something fairly significant on the inside of it. So, um, so if it were not landmarked, the interior would be considered Category A, or yeah, what is correct? Okay, so we would still conduct review. Of CEQA, and I and I will say just to put a good nod, um, there are other sponsors that have done very good work on the interior of a property that might not have strictly held to the standards, mm -hmm. but still are worthy of of note. Um, so it's not to say that you it's it's a hard no when it comes to um, like keeping everything on the inside of a of a church. Um, in terms of landmarking, you mean? Okay. Um, and what sort of protections does landmarking have above the category A? I think the key thing about the landmarking is we would put a heavier emphasis on character defining features that are called out in the landmarking report and then looking at potential projects relative to that. So to the extent that we can avoid removal or damage of character defining features, we can. Keep in mind the HBC always has um, final authority in that realm um, to basically state that you know something that a sponsor might plan on the interior overweighs the character defining features on the on the exterior so I'd like to hear what my other fellow commissioners have to say okay Commissioner Foley thank you president Matsuda um, so I have a lot of experience around churches and they're really difficult to work with because the yeah. buildings are very tall and Correct. the floor plates are very small. So the amount of square footage you get out of the building of, of usable versus the exterior and the, and the heights of the building makes it really difficult and very costly to, to do anything in these buildings. Um, I did renovate a church that was landmarked um, and I actually got through the planning department working with historical preservation uh, in a very uh, cooperative way work with Paige and Turnbull, and we're able to do a, a, a fabulous job that made everybody happy. So I think that there's going to be another, when they propose a project in front of, and come in front of us, we're going to be able to look at what they're going to do inside. But I think giving them flexibility to be able to propose projects and it's going to come back in front of us is, is fair. And these things are very, very difficult to renovate and then actually occupy. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Wright. Yeah, I, I think I would just add to the previous comments that uh, I think it's it's helpful <clears throat> to have the the list of the character the interior character defining features in the draft form. So it, I think it's helpful for the owner or uh, you know advocates uh, for um, 
projects to even understand what they're working with and what they're dealing with, um, where, where it might be um, ideal to try to preserve those features or work around them or incorporate them into the proposed project. So um, in that sense, removing it from, striking it from the final um, is not helpful to an owner unless they have the draft. Um, but but I, I can see both sides um, of the argument and, and um, the reasoning uh, for, for doing so. I think we, uh, as the other commissioners have mentioned, would still have some, um, some interest in understanding what the changes or alterations to historic fabric inside the church building would be um, and would review that um, under different kind of title, not, not, as, not as something that's landmarked, but um, I don't know. I guess it's still eligible, right? The material and the features in the interior would still be considered eligible. I don't know, you know, when you start really splitting hairs, what that means. Yeah, and keep in mind, commissioners, um, you will, if a future project is proposed here, you will see it, right? You might not in, in either instance, no matter what is happening, it, it's going to come back before you since the likelihood that this becomes a landmark is, is feasible. So, you so, know, if, if, for example, it was your intention to landmark the interior, you can give staff direction to flush it out, and then we can also then provide that direction to the Board of Supervisors who will weigh on it as well. Um, so, but in either instance, a project that is proposed here would come back before the HBC through the certificate of appropriateness process. And um, you, if the, only the exterior is identified, you know, your purview might be limited, but you still would have opportunity to comment on things on the interior, so. Yeah, I was just gonna ask what, it, what are the pros and cons, or what's the real difference then, um, if it's included or not, um, if it's being reviewed anyhow? Well, uh, I'd say it's the cons. strict application of what the charges under Article 10 relative to the preservation of character-finding features that are associated with a landmarking. You know, like, you, you can probably tell as you've reviewed potential projects here, if we are impacting a character-defining feature severely, mm -hmm. we don't typically recommend that approach on our landmark properties. So um, if the scheme is somehow doing substantial work on the interior that might not be sensitive, to the interior, you know, to the to the history of it, um, we wouldn't recommend it. So, Commissioner Foley, thank you, President Matsuda. So, I I do not know the project sponsor. Um, I've never talked to the project sponsor, but I do know that I think landmark and this is right thing to do. I think that the staff has actually done a good job with how they recommended it. I think we all need to recognize that when the project sponsor does come up with a project, it's going to come in front of us again to, to, to talk about and, and to weigh our opinions on. And I think if we, if we, if we try to start defining the interior character-finding features, we're actually going to make it much more difficult for the sponsor to actually get a project moving. Um, so I personally would, would agree with the way staff has done it so far. because. When they come back with another pro with a, with what they want to do with interior, we're going to be able to weigh in on it. So that's my that's my two cents from dealing with old churches. Thank you, Commissioner Vergara. I'm for landmarking uh, 
this uh, parish complex. I would like to get back to the, uh, the, the bridge in the sky. Uh, may I direct a question to the representative of the owners? And I, I apologize, I didn't retain your name. Simon. Thank you, thank you. Uh, would the owners object if the bridge were included in the landmark designation? Um, I don't think it, they would matter. Pardon me? I don't think, it, I don't think they, would, they would oppose that. Okay, thank you. That's all I wanted to know. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Are there any other questions or comments from the commission? Commissioner Nagas Warren. Uh, on the, you know, sort of the academic sense of reviewing a project, I, I would feel like if we didn't have a date or a, a sequence of understanding when the bridge was there, um, it, it, it is awkward in some ways to include it as a character defining feature that represents the significance of the property for a certain range of time. But, um, you know, if there were other reasons, like it had architectural merit or it had um, uh, craftsmanship that was unique, um, then, then I would see it as something, you know, that might be worthy of um, being part of the character-defining features. Um, but again, we don't have the dates that fit with the significance to, to be able to say that. Commissioner Wright? Yeah, I guess I, I would ask staff, uh, do we know when, uh, what the earliest photo is or the, the earliest evidence of its existence? Not to put you on the spot. I would need to search for that in our landmark designation report. So um, if you could give me a moment, please. I just have a few questions as well. Um, for the period of significance, it's now at 1891 to 1936, and then from 1968 to 1972. Can you tell me what it was before uh, this report was issued, when it when this first came before us in 2016? It was the entire. That's this, what I thought. The and, and the reason why it's now bifurcated, split up to these particular periods, is because of. The one, request of the property owner, or uh, one of the period, the first period of significance would encompass the construction of the um, mm -hmm. component buildings, mm -hmm. and the second period of significance is specific to Father Boyle. Mm -hmm. But uh, wh why? What's it just felt? It was perhaps very long for lack of, of, of more specificity. Mm -hmm. yeah. That be more it was specific. now specific mm -hmm. to these two periods of time. Yes. Okay. And then um, the question raised during public comment about an email sent to you and Mr. Sucre uh, yesterday uh, and then um, commenting that there was a lack of specificity. Were all these comments uh, answered or all these issues that were in this email uh, addressed to Mr. Reiser? His email... Uh, Dated, yeah, September yeah, 19th. I'm sorry, I don't have that email in front of okay. me. Okay, okay. And then um, 
I am not sure what the commission is planning to propose, but I did want to call out the period of significance for 1968 through 1972 because this is a period of significance that really focuses on an individual, a very special individual, and a very special individual who worked with this particular community that has drastically changed since 1968 to 72. And a lot of people don't understand and appreciate, I think, what Father Boyle did to raise the awareness and raise the empowerment of those people who really didn't have a voice in this particular part of the Western edition. And I just want to um, see how, because this is probably one of the first times that we're really looking to a particular individual as part of a landmark designation, and I want to see how we can maybe highlight this and maybe even further um, provide more detail about Father Boyle and use it kind of as a template as we go forward when we consider landmark designations focusing on individuals. Because I think this is a very good example of a very exemplary person um, who really, I, I think, changed uh, the face and really um, empowered a community that was pretty voiceless at the time. So, uh, Commissioner Wright, did you? Oh, okay. I think he's still I, I waiting on the, on the okay. date, potentially. Cancel. And I believe maybe a member of the public may have that at his fingertips. Or if, Shannon, if you found it. Mm -hmm. um, it's on page 42 of the landmark designation report. You can just barely make out um, the connector, what I believe is the connector. The photo is rather poor, but um, figure 58. So 1920, is that potentially 1920? Figure 58, is that what you're looking? That's correct. At? And and can you remind me uh, the periods of significance were 1891 to 1936. To 1936. Okay. So it would fall within that. So I mean, in in, I guess maybe in that case, the the connector was not. Potentially, it was not constructed um, in a planned way, but it did it exist um, before the end of the period of significance in 1936. Commissioner Foley. Thank you, President Matsuda. I, I think we always we we sometimes spend a lot of time on things like bridges, um, and I think that when I listened to Vice President Richard talk earlier. Um, and you look at what, what would, how we would designate the bridge, if it had an incredibly ornate or it was a fabulous piece of work, I could actually see keeping it. Um, I went out there the other day. It doesn't seem very exciting to me. So again, I, I'm, I'm supporting staff on this. Motion to approve landmark designation. Second. As amended by staff. I'm sorry, Ms. Ferguson, when, when you first uh, provided your um, presentation, you, you talked about some areas that uh, were, I don't have the resolution in front of me, but I did want to mention that on number six in the resolution still did include the interior. And so that was the area that you were, you're asking to strike 
Yes. Okay. Um, we would strike the interior, and there, and as I mentioned, there is a typo in the ordinance. Okay. Right. Um, on page five, lines um, twenty-four and twenty-five, that right. were just left in from our previous okay, iteration. Okay. Thank you. Shannon, you also struck the bridge. Yes, that's from the ordinance. So. Striking the bridge from the ordinance, on page as five. As, as amended, recommended and amended, as amended by, by staff. Staff. Very good. And seconded. Okay. Yes. Understood. Okay, commissioners. Um, there's a motion that has been seconded to um, adopt a recommendation for landmark designation to the Board of Supervisors um, as amended by staff, striking the interior and the bridge and the typo in the, in the ordinance itself. On that motion, Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nagas Warren? Yes. And Commissioner President Matsuda? Yes. So move, Commissioners, that motion passes unanimously five to zero. Um, Commission President Matsuda, staff has requested the next two items be called up together. Is there both murals? Sure. Very good, Commissioners. On uh, items 10 and 11 for case numbers 2023 through um, hyphen 0034. 38 DES and 2023-00356 DES for the Carnival mural at 1311 through 1355 South Van Ness Avenue, landmark designation and Chata Gutierrez mural at 3175 24th Street, landmark designation respectively. Good afternoon. Um, before I start my presentation, these are board-sponsored, um, board-initiated landmarks. So I believe that Supervisor Ronan's office has um, sent a representative to speak to these items. Great. Good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, my name is Anna Herrera. I'm a legislative aide to Supervisor Hillary Ronan. Thank you, President Matsuda and commissioners for giving me the opportunity to speak on behalf of Supervisor Ronan today. The murals before you for landmarking recommendation, the Carnival mural and the Chata Gutierrez mural are located at the same intersection in the Mission District on South Van Ness and 24th Street. Our office initiated their landmark designation together because they're located on adjacent walls to each other and they're often referenced together in their significance to the mission the Calle 24 Cultural District, and our city's rich Latinx history and culture. The Carnival mural is iconic for its representation of the annual Carnival Parade and Festival, a tradition hosted and led by Latinx performers, residents, and organizations of the Mission District for over 40 years. Carnival is now the largest multicultural festival on the West Coast and celebrates and educates the public on the Latinx, Caribbean, and African diasporic traditions of the Mission and San Francisco. The, miracle, the mural de depicts this mission tradition beautifully, featuring Jaime Aguilar, a Mexican immigrant and Muni bus driver who appears as a dancer in the red vest, Jorge Molina playing the drums, and Marlena, the Brazilian dancer in the silver sequined bodysuit. Adjacent to the carnival mural, the other item before you today, is the Chata Gutierrez mural. Chata Gutierrez was a cultural icon and role model for the Mission District and San Francisco's Latinx community. Chata was born and raised in the Mission and was the first Latina disc jockey for KPU 85.5 FM, where she hosted the radio program Conclave, the longest running Latin music program in the Bay. 
Chata and her Conclave radio show introduced generations of San Franciscans and Bay Area listeners to the joy and beauty of salsa and other Latin music, while Chata also used her platform to raise awareness for critical issues facing the Latinx community, including police brutality, education, and unemployment issues. Chata sadly passed away in 2013 at the age of 60. She was and continues to be a role model and inspiration for the city's Latinx community, including myself. In a city where Latinos make up 15% of the population and where Latinos have contributed deeply to the city's culture and history, there is a notable dearth of iconography or memorialization of the city's Latina women. The Chata Gutierrez mural is a distinguished exception to, to this scarcity and one that merits preservation. Lastly, as referenced throughout the staff materials, in July 2020, in the wake of COVID-19's disproportionate impact on communities of color in San Francisco and the unlawful killings of George Floyd and countless other victims of police brutality, this Historic Preservation Commission passed a powerful resolution centering preservation planning on racial and social equity. The landmark designations before you are adhering to the resolution's thoughtful recommendations, including preserving the cultural and economic diversity of our neighborhoods, and with respect to the mission, reinforcing the importance of the mission as the center of Latino life in San Francisco. Recommending landmark status for both of these murals is an opportunity for our city to formally recognize what has long been celebrated by the mission and Latinx communities of San Francisco. There is also no better month to consider these items as we're currently celebrating Latinx Heritage Month. We're so grateful to the work of the San Francisco Latino Historical Society, in particular Anne Cervantes and Alan Martinez, and of city preservation planning staff, in particular Pilar Lavalle, for all the background research presented to you today. Uh, Supervisor Ronan and our office enthusiastically support your recommendation of landmark designation for these murals, and we hope you will as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, Commissioners, Pilar Lavalle, Department staff. As you've heard before you today is consideration for landmark designation for two murals in the Mission District. Carnival mural on the north exterior wall of 1311 to 1315 South Van Ness Avenue and Chata Gutierrez mural on the west exterior wall um, of 3175 24th Street. Landmark designation of both uh, was initiated by the board, um, which adopted the resolutions to initiate um, in March, on March 28, 2023. <clears throat> the Carnival mural, also known as Golden Dreams of La Mission, is among the largest and most prominent murals in the Mission District. It was painted in 1983 by lead muralist Daniel Galvez with assistance from several other artists. The 75-foot by 24-foot mural is located on the north um, side elevation of a three-story over-basement residential flats building. As you've heard, the mural depicts the mission's iconic pan-Latino businesses and cultural institutions, along with people dancing and celebrating Carnival on 24th Street. The mural is a cultural asset with a significant and long-standing association with the Mission District's Pan-Latino community, celebrates Latin music and culture in the Mission District, all significant, vibrant parts of San Francisco's cultural heritage. In addition, the Carnival mural has a high artistic value and is representative of the community art movement, 
or mission muralismo, a distinctive mode of expression um, within the mission district. The Chata Gutierrez mural, also known as La Romba No Para, the Chata Gutierrez mural, was painted in 2015 by lead artist Carlos Cookie Gonzalez, who painted the mural in collaboration with Presida Eyes, Walls of Respect Youth Mural Project artists, as well as um, many volunteers. The 28-foot by 22-foot mural is located on the west exterior elevation of a two-story over basement residential building. The mural depicts the late Chata Gutierrez surrounded by dancers and conga players. The mural is a tribute to a cultural icon of the Latinx community, is a cultural asset that has significant association with the pan Mission District's pan-Latino community and celebrates the Latin music movement. In addition, this also, mural is also representative of the community art movement as it, as it evolved into the 21st century. The department believes that the Carnival mural and the Chata Gutierrez mural meet established eligibility requirements and that landmark status of both murals is warranted. Character defining features representative of each mural's cultural significance have been included in the draft ordinance, ordinances in your packets. The department recommends that you approve the recommendation for landmark designation, uh, recommendations for landmark designation, which will be forwarded to the Board of Supervisors who will take the final actions on these proposed designations. Um, that concludes my presentation, unless you have questions. Um, the San Francisco Latino Historical Society, who have been the proponents um, or amongst the proponents of uh, and sponsors of this designation, um, also has a presentation. Um, Anne Cervantes, I think, will be taking the, the first part of that presentation, and I believe she is a remote. Um, and when she is ready, I can bring up her slides. But thank you. That Great. concludes my presentation. Thank you. Why don't you go ahead and bring up her slides? We'll unmute her. Ms. Cervantes, are you with us? Hello. <laughs> Sorry. Measures. I wasn't able to be here. I planned to be in there, but smoke and my allergies combined, I'm not able to. Good afternoon, President Masuda, Commissioners. My name is Ann Cervantes, an architect, a small business owner's advocate, and founder of the Latino. Ms. Cervantes, I'm going to. Never mind. Go ahead. Your slides are up. Okay. <laughs> I'm here to brief you on the murals and the supporting these two murals as a landmarks status. I want to thank Supervisor Roman, especially Anna Herrera, in advancing another his, uh, Latino historic asset as defined by the Latino community. I also want to thank the San Francisco Historic Preservation staff in providing the planning documents to obtain approval for the, this landmarking, specifically Ilar and Richard Sucre. Um, I have two associates speaking to the importance of these murals, Lou DeMatteis, Carnival First Photographer and API Photographer Journalist, who, whose photos of Carnival were used by muralist David uh, Galvez. Um, David is, I mean, Daniel is currently traveling and not available to be here. And the other person is Carlos, uh, nicknamed Cookie Gonzalez, Muralist and musician, the history that really documents the history of the Afro-Cuban music uh, that grew out of the Mission District with the musician players. 
I'm just going to do a really brief intro. The content of in these murals documents Latino history with festivals and celebrations in the Mission District, but also the cultural icons for both businesses and nonprofit organizations, such as Guadalupe de Noche uh, Restaurant, which for many years on 24th Street is now Presida Ives, the Gallery de La Raza, Disco Landia with Silva. Sylvia Rodriguez and having all the musicians come to the mission for, uh, to meet with her, but also it was the place, it was the Latino Ticketmaster and the York Theater, which is now Brava Theater. All of these uh, icons and the musics and the celebration really defined place in the mission. Um, the Chata mural documents Chata Gutierrez's contribution to music while she was working at Capo but also what Cookie will talk to you a little more about is the tamale lady who is depicted in the mural, along and also longtime playing musicians, uh, musicians playing with Carlos Santana, meaning uh, Raquel and Barraza. Uh, I can remember correctly, but Carlos will fill that in. So I want to hand it over to Lou Dimiteris, the photographer, and to talk about this this mural, and then Cookie will follow afterwards. Thank you, commissioners, for being with us today, allowing us to present this uh, these wonderful murals. Um, the Carnival mural. I can't think of something better that's living history. I mean, it's the, I, I was one of the original organizers of Carnival in 1979 and photographed it for many years. And in 1983, um, the, we got some money. I, I didn't, but um, uh, money was found to do the mural that Daniel Galvez did at that location. And the main photographs of the uh, dancers and musicians in the mural were photographs that I took in the period from 1979 to 1982. Um, the, after um, 30 years, the uh, mural was in need of repair and renovation, and we had a fantastic response from the community. All the community came forward, and the city of San Francisco came forward, and we got, I believe, it, I believe it's called a community grant, we got a community grant from the city. So the city was definitely involved. And Carnival, as, as was spoken, it's the largest multicultural festival on the West Coast. So this history from 1979 is still with us and it's with us every year. And we keep bringing in young people. And uh, the particular location of the mural is fantastic because it's, it's really like a, like a welcome to Calle 24, a welcome to 24th Street in the Mission District uh, where, where it is um, located. Um, and when we did finish the renovation in 2014, we had a huge party out in front of the, the um, uh, and Jaime Aguilar came to that. He's the, uh, he's the guy that's dancing there. And uh, many people from the mission and throughout the city. We had representatives of people throughout the city. So I can't think of, like I said, I think this is real living history and I can't think of a better uh, mural along with Chata, the mural, Cookie's mural of Chata. I can't think of a, 
a better thing to do than to give this give these both the historical um, um, designation that we're asking. Thank you very much. Does that conclude presentation? I, think I believe one more. Mr. Gonzalez is going uh, to. Oh, he had to leave. I'm sorry. Okay. I can run through the slides. I don't. Sure. I, I don't. They're great slides. Just to conclude, there is just additional, this is a judicial historic asset for this time period that was overlooked, and it's important that they continue to document these assets because it defines place. And I'm sorry that Cookie had to leave. He was there early. Um, he came at 11.30, so he's been waiting in the audience for a while. Um, but who is depicted in those murals is there are quite significant uh, people in the musician world that came out of the Mission District, which he talked about playing Congress at Dolores Park in that time period when everybody was looking at a new form of music. This is a place where Latin rock came out of. Mm -hmm. And it was a special time, and it's still a special time. And you'll hear from the people present, people that we're in the beginning with Carnival um, and how important these murals are in the music and culture of our community. But thank you for giving us an opportunity to present. Thank you. Very good. Um, with that, we should open up public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this matter. If you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. Buenas tardes, my name is Roberto Hernandez, and it's an honor to be here today. I never thought I'd be here today. Uh, I'm a native of the Mission District of San Francisco. How you doing, brother? I, um, I've been involved with carnivals for the last 45 years. I was a young boy. I wanted to learn how to play music, and I used to watch I Love Lucy and Ricky Ricardo, and I wanted to be Ricky with the big Roomba shirt, playing congas, and um, carnival came along and made that a reality, and I've been... Um, I've been, I've had every position you could think of. I was a security coordinator one year, volunteer coordinator. I built floats, I designed floats. I um, was the music director one year. Um, and then I eventually I became the director and the producer, executive producer, and currently served as a CEO for Cana, which is the organization that produces Carnival. And I, I gotta tell you that it, when this mural was, was created, it was, it brought so much joy to so many of us because it really told our story. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what the murals in our community do, is they tell our stories about who we are and what we're about. And having been born and raised in the Mission District at the age of 67, I have seen a lot. From the dot-com boom, to tech, to you know, violent gentrification, 
people I grew up with who were Samoan, African-Americans, Filipinos, Latinos, Irish, Italians have been pushed out, you know, people I grew up with and that dearly love. But the murals still stayed there, and those are the things that I think that just kept uh, those of us who were still there really kept us uh, and gave us some joy. And, and so I think it's important that today, when you vote, you think about the impact that you're doing there. You're going to be today part of history for our community and preserving our culture, but most important, our history. And music gives us joy. And that's why I've been involved with Carnival, because it's fed me. I know today music from Colombia, from Cuba, from Puerto Rico, from Brazil, from Mexico, from Nicaragua, from Honduras, from Guatemala. And not only do I know the music, but I know the dance, and I know the uh, traditional ceremonias, and everything that's involved, including food. I love to eat. And that's one of the things that has brought me a lot of joy. So thank you, and I hope you vote unanimously in support of this historical landmark that means so much to us in our corazones, our souls, and our spirits. Thank you. I love your hat. Oh, you. Hello, Mr. Martinez. Hello. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, my name is Alan Martinez, and uh, I am a member of the San Francisco Latino Historical Society, but I am speaking for myself. <clears throat> uh, one thing that hasn't been mentioned that I think needs to be pointed out is if you've been out there, you see what a commanding presence on the street these two murals have. They're really monumental in scale, and they were created with a great deal of skill that you, know, you kind of have to think about to appreciate of being readable uh, from the street. And uh, these figures are of you know, of a scale that it can be read and understood from the street. And to me, this is kind of grassroots placemaking at its finest. Um, you know, this came from the community. It creates a sense of sp uh, place, uh, as was mentioned at the, you know, the, near the junction between uh, 24th and Mission Street. And um, I think something tremendous and unique would be lost if, uh, there isn't an attempt to protect these murals because, um, you know, not just all the history that it represents and the history of their creation, but just the place that they create is really quite remarkable. Thank you. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Rodrigo Duran. I am a second generation carnavalesco. I am now the executive director of Carnival. My mom was pregnant on a float with me 30 plus years ago in May. And so this feels like full circle to be present and to advocate uh, for, the, for this, these murals, specifically Carnival as well, to be designated landmarks. Um, as many folks mentioned, Carnival is the largest multicultural celebration. We bring in over 400,000 people on two days, right? 200 businesses get impacted positively, so that's great for our local economy. And down that same block on 24th Street, over 2,000 artists uh, parade and celebrate their culture, their language, and music, and they pass by that mural, you know, and it's almost like a saint to us. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we appreciate it for carrying the weight of our, our stories, and everyone in Carnival does that in some shape or form 
whether you're part of the production team or a volunteer, you're holding on to those stories, uh, that history proudly on your back. And these murals do the exact same thing. You know, they do it uh, by being more tangible, so to speak. It's there, it's present. And it, it not only holds the Latinx Latino community's history, but all the people that contribute to Carnival over these last 45 years. And that's what makes San Francisco, that's what makes the mission and Carnival so special. It's multicultural. In over 150 years, our people have been displaced from the Presidio to North Beach Chinatown to what is now Soma. And then we arrived in the 70s in the mission and uh, we've been continuously being displaced. But these murals really you know, anchor uh, generations and families. And not only do they say, welcome to the mission world, it says to individuals, you are welcome here. Uh, your colors are welcome, your faces are welcome, your traditions are welcome. And so I really encourage you all to, to vote unanimously to bring these murals to the uh, elevation and status that it deserves. It's a historical landmark. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Eric Arguey. I'm president and co-founder of Cainticuatro Latino Culture District. Um, and one of the reasons we created the Latino Culture District is to make sure that we protect our cultural assets, right? Because of gentrification and displacement, a lot of our cultural assets were um, in danger. Uh, a little bit about us. We are the birthplace of Latin rock, you know, with Carlos Santana and Malmo coming out of the, the Mission neighborhood. We are also the birthplace of the, the mural movement in San Francisco. We have over 690 murals, the largest outdoor public gallery in the country. Um, Carnival mural and the Chato mural, um, they are the centerpiece of, of the Latino Culture District. It's why we have the Latino Culture District. Uh, they're on the entrance, into, they're at the gateway to the Latino Culture District, you know, along 24th Street. Uh, so they really represent who we are as a community. Um, it tells our history, uh, talks about our events. It shows the colors of our community and the diversity in our community. Um, it's a very special corner that many have used uh, over many decades uh, for performances, and these murals are in the background. Um, so it's very unique to a lot of the performers. Uh, a lot of the vendors in the area also have used that space. So it's something that we really need to cherish and make sure that we preserve for future generations to really understand our history and to continue that in the future. So we hope that you can support the designation of, this, of these two murals. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Laura Yano. I am um, here not only to represent myself and my own views, but also Cookie before Carlos Cookie Gonzalez, one of the muralists before he left, he wrote me a couple of notes um, that he wanted me to share with you. Um, one that he wanted me to share with you was that he felt that designating these uh, murals as uh, for protection was protecting the investments of city funds um, and public art, and if they're not protected, he said it's a waste of funds as well as erasing cultural footprint, and he wanted me to make that note. And on another note, um, Ann Cervantes mentioned the tamale lady, and I was involved in raising funds for the Chata mural, and I was doing some research at home 
and I realized that the building that Cookie had that had kind of chosen, hopefully chosen, was owned by the Tamale lady who was an iconic figure herself in the Mission District. She went around with a cooler full of tamales to the night spots. And when you were there, you know, having your little drink, she would come in and you would be able to buy, you know, something to eat. She was very popular, she was very personable. Unfortunately, she passed away, but she does actually own the building that the mural is on. And if you look at it closely, there's tamales. Her only stipulation to granting Cookie permission to use the mural was to uh, paint tamales all the way around the, the figure <laughs> of Chata. And I mean, yeah, it's just local history, right? And for myself as a non-Latino person, I just want to say that um, the murals have an extraordinary significance to the enormous multicultural community that uh, Rodrigo mentioned and that others have mentioned here. Um, I know many of the people depicted in the murals. It was originally the music that drew me into the mission, and then I got a job teaching in the mission, and then everything just steamrolled, and now I've been an activist, and um, I just, I cannot state, uh, overstate the importance of these icons. And I want to finish by saying that Rome has the Colosseum, and the Mission District has 24th and South Venice murals. Thank you very much. Uh, I forgot to mention something earlier. I'll keep this short, but something is very important. We almost lost the Carnival mural in, um, in 2013 because the paint was literally just falling off the building. So it's not a building that's owned by the city. It's owned by a private party, mm -hmm. a, re a realtor, a very kind man, but a businessman. It was, it was uh, deteriorating. He didn't have the money to, to do it. He said, uh, you know, I've got to do something. Either get it or I'm going to have to paint it over because I can't, the city's going to come after me and, and say it's a nuisance. So uh, we did that. We put our, you know, nose to the grindstone and we got the city involved, but we also got Calle 24, we got the whole community involved. So we saved it. That's the first time. Recently, the property, House of Breaks, was put up for sale. And it was sold. We were trying to raise money to buy it. We, it happened so quickly, we, did, we were not able. And so we were very afraid that someone was going to want to put some condos on that lot, and it would block off both of those murals. Mm -hmm. So what you can do today is you can help us preserve it for the future. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, seeing no members of the public in the chambers coming forward, let's go to our remote callers. Hello. This is Brooke Oliver. I'm the attorney for Danielle Galvez and also Kuki Gonzalez, and I have some remarks. Are you able to hear me? We are. Excellent. Um, I think the other speakers have really, really colorfully and brilliantly explained the significance of these two murals. Um, 
I think the the thing that um, maybe uh, maybe of interest to the commission in deciding to preserve them uh, as historical landmarks is the risk that some other building might replace that one-story house of breaks uh, uh, building. Um, and that somebody would build up on that lot and hide these murals. And so we are seeking for these to be made historical landmarks so that it would be more difficult to completely hide them. It would be uh, more difficult to destroy them directly and any kind of building that goes up in front of them, hiding them completely from the community um, and from posterity would um, necessarily, you know, uh, and almost inevitably damage either of the murals. It's, it's almost impossible to build something that doesn't somehow impact the walls next to it. And so the there are limits uh, on the uh, moral rights, the legal rights and the copyright act for artists to protect their work from being covered. And that is what we are seeking from the historical designation is that it would, it would assist us um, from stopping those murals from being covered under a number of other laws that protect cultural and historical assets. And so um, it's, it's, it's really essential to preserve this cultural asset. You've seen how important it is to people. And it's important to understand that there really is no other way to protect the murals except by the actions that you take. And we really encourage you to uh, to do everything you can to see a way clear to identifying these as historical landmarks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mr. Klosterman. Mr. Klosterman, are you with us? Mr. Klosterman, you've been unmuted if you care to submit your testimony. Okay, last call for public comment. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Mr. Klosterman, I'll give you one more chance to raise your hand again or, okay. Um, Public comment is closed, and this matter is now, or these matters are now before you, commissioners. Great, thank you, uh, Commissioner Foley. Thank you, President Matsuda. Um, I don't even know what to say. How great those murals are! Uh, I love Carnival. I love those murals. Uh, I'm a little frustrated I was not invited to the party in 2014, um, but I will. I will get over that. Um, when you go to SF MoMA, they have a Diego Rivera uh, mural up. That's an, an, an amazing, an amazing piece of artwork. When I look at these murals, I have no idea how anybody actually created the idea and then actually went and executed it. I could never do it. It's stunning. I look forward to this thing being done 
and thank you very much for coming out. Thank you, Commissioner Nuggets Warren. Um, along the lines of what um, some of the last speaker had um, spoken about, uh, I I too had the question about um, House of House of Breaks and um, the adjacent buildings, and so I I think I would ask if there was some part of the landmark designation that would include um, visual or space in front of it. Um, I'm not sure if that, if other murals landmarks uh, are, are similarly dealt with um, in terms of being able to see the mural. So sadly, we are not able to um, landmark view corridors um, associated with a property. So we can landmark the specific wall that it's on and the actual surfaces, but we can't landmark or provide for protections uh, for, for the future for other parts of the property. Because of air and light. What's up? Because oh, well, it's, it's a taking, basically. I see. So. Um, and then the other would be speaking about the maintenance side of it, you know, if they were ever to replace siding on that building or stucco, um, and if there is a methodology to documentation of, of that um, to be able to make sure they have a record of it um, before they do any major renovation. Correct. So if, if, for example, the property owner in the future needed to do repairs, we'd make sure that the mural is repaired appropriately and um, undertaken with a specialist that's you know, familiar with um, art conservation and art restoration. So Article 10 does provide for maintenance provisions that are required um, that we put on the property owners. So. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Wright? Yeah, I just want to say that uh, I'm proud to be able to support the landmarking of both of these uh, fabulous murals. Uh, I remember, um, you know, I live uh, near this neighborhood, and um, I remember um, back in the day walking by and seeing this corner and wondering about um, the mural that was so faded and um, so happy that it um, has been restored and conserved. Um, and happy now that there's a new additional mural next to it. Um, the the uh, the culture of the neighborhood uh, is so important um, to to the city, and uh, I think that uh, it, it's we just need to do more to uh, support uh, the cultural diversity that we have. Thank you, Commissioner Vergara. It's the beautiful art and encompassing wonderful history. Uh, and on the Carnival mural, we are talking about all the way to the left, including the, the wall that's purple with the yellow mm -hmm, window mm -hmm. frames. Good. We Thank are, you. right? Right. Thank you. I think uh, Mr. Martinez said it best when he said that this is grassroots placemaking at its finest. It really is. It shows, it tells the story, it shows skill, it shows passion, and it shows community. So I think uh, we're ready to make that motion. Motion to approve 1011. Second. Thank you, commissioners. On that motion to adopt recommendations for landmark approval, Commissioner Vergara. 
Yes. Commissioner Wright. Yes. Commissioner Foley. Aye. Commissioner Nagas Warren. Yes. Uh, and Commission President Matsuda. Yes. So move, Commissioners. That motion, those motions pass unanimously five to zero. Congratulations. Commissioners, that will place us um, on item 12 for case number 2022-00811 PTA for the property at 335 Powell Street. This is a permit to alter. Please note that on September 6, 2023, after hearing and closing public comment, you oh, continued yeah. this matter to today's date by a vote of five to zero. Don't worry, we're still here. <laughs> Go ahead, Charles. And um, is Commissioner Foley returning? I, uh, I would not know that, but I would okay. assume he is. Uh, hello, Commissioners. Uh, Charles Enschel, Department of Preservation Staff. Uh, as your Commission Secretary noted, this item was before you two weeks ago. And today, uh, in response to HPC, the sponsor has provided additional renderings um, that illustrate a horizontally oriented pergola option, uh, night renderings, and an alternative guardrail uh, post location. Um, let's see. So staff recommends that HPC uh, either take favorable action of the original proposal, uh, the alternate proposal, um, or further modifications so that the project is in conformance with Article 11 of the Planning Code. Um, Lucinda and Steve are here again from Stanton Architecture uh, for any questions. And I think I'll just point out that Exhibit A has added conditions of approval and they are related to lighting um, and attachment location. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, does the project sponsor want to? Three minutes. I guess we don't have the images up right now, but um, hopefully they, they speak for themselves. Um, we, we gave a shot at turning the, the, the trellis the other direction. Um, we, we still think it looks, uh, we, we prefer the direction where it's sort of going in and out of the patio and we believe it leaves, you know, views into the building a little bit better and less of sort of a, a black bar there. Um, and hopefully the, the night images also show, you know, how our, our lighting is pretty modest and is not glaring onto Union Square. Um, happy to answer any questions you have. Thank you. Okay, uh, if there, is there any public comment? If you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. Seeing no request to speak, commissioners, public comment is closed and this matter is now before you. Thank you. Commissioner Vergara? When we're dealing with a San Francisco treasure like the St. Francis Hotel, of course, we wanna tread very carefully. So thank you for giving us those two renditions of those, those pickets. Uh, it seems to me that the configuration that has the ends of the pickets facing uh, Powell Street uh, tend to blend in better with the um, with the shadows created by the the lines and the uh, uh, the stonework on the face of the uh, the building. 
Um, so I think I would support the uh, proposal as original. Yes, uh, proposal as originally given to us. Thank you, Commissioner Nagaswaran. Um, yes, thank you for the two alternates. Um, I, I do, I looked at both of them. I felt that the initial reaction I had for the initial proposal was that it, it looked like I was still looking at something in construction because of the formality of the building. Um, and turning it on the side, I felt like it was a little cleaner appearance. It didn't, it didn't distract my eye. Um, and of course it's very low lying and um, uh, uh, appropriate for the building. Um, so I would prefer the alternate for both the pergola and also the alignment of the railing posts with the, with the building's um, uh, railing uh, module. Commissioner Wright. Um, thank you. Uh, uh, regarding the various alternates, um, I uh, tend to agree with uh, Commissioner Vergara uh, <clears throat> that the open-ended um, uh, extension of the trellis um, towards the street face um, feels less heavy than the, um, the flat um, uh, end or side um, that we would be looking at in the alternate um, at the street face. Um, I do feel that um, that it it's, it feels a little bit too uh, prominent um, for this landmark building um, and this primary facade of a landmark building. And I would um, suggest uh, pushing it back further from the street um, so that it's less prominent. I, I appreciate... Um, the new material that's been provided um, to us to assess both alternates um, and the lighting. Um, but I, I, I do think that it would be uh, better um, and better respect the building if it were, uh, were held back further from the street. Uh, Commissioner Wright, do you have a suggested uh, dimension? <laughs> so currently it is eight feet from the property line and five feet from uh, the rear of the railing. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm looking for the right drawing. Uh, um, sheet A0.4. Okay. Point four. Here we go. Yeah, and I'm actually, I think, looking at um, a zero point five um, with the sections um, looking sideways. Uh, but I, I, it feels to me like it at least wants to pull back to the like right now. It's extending to align uh, with the the jam edge of the window um, closest to the street. And you know, I would suggest that it's uh, somewhere in between 
uh, the two windows, uh, maybe in the middle of those two windows, um, to pull back uh, far enough that it's, it's not as prominent and visible from the street. Is that the ends of the beams that you're asking? Yeah, the, the furthest end of the, the projection of the beam ends, um, trellis ends, um, I think want to hold back that far um, so that they're less, um, less visible. So if we're looking at the south balcony elevation, for instance, um, at the top right corner, um, it has eight feet, and your suggestion is between these two full height door openings, door slash window openings. Yes. Okay. So there's a there's a column support kind of in that same area currently shown on um, detail two A of A point zero five, and I would suggest that it's it's somewhere back in that area. Understood. I mean, the, per the perspectives um, kind of give us the best, I think, the best idea. Um, but you can see in the perspective on um, what a, the rendering on A.06, uh, kind of where that column um, beam line is that the, the trellis ends would, would be going back towards. Um, I just think that... Uh, it would subside quite a bit. And um, let's see. Commissioner Wright, if I might make a suggestion for ease, could we just state that we would um, have the trellis extend no further than the midpoint between the two windows? Sorry, did you say the midpoint of the two windows? Between the two windows. Yeah, I think that's great. Right. And then. We, if we are making adjustments to the design, I, I would just recommend that the commission add an additional condition to allow us to work with the sponsor on adjusting the posts um, accordingly, since the concern is more about the visibility of the trellis from the exterior. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Good. I don't know if the other commissioners have any thoughts. If I might add something in consideration, the location of the post is very specific. It lands on girders directly below where they are, and they cannot actually be moved in and out of plane in that direction. So the posts actually have to land there. So if we might at least be able to extend, maybe not halfway between the windows, but you know, maybe the, the left edge of that, um, you know, right window, that might give us a little more flexibility so that it's not um, quite as stagnant, stagnant having those pickets land right where the column line is, I think would be a little awkward. It, but it would be structurally very difficult for us to move those posts. Your overhang would be shorter, is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. So maybe to the, uh, just so we have an easy dimension to think about, um, maybe to the extent of the surround. What is the, what is the dimension of the columns? Um, are there eight? No. Ten. Ten by ten? Is that right? 
Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just for just for reference, uh, but uh, and I, can we just say like a foot beyond the face of the column? Towards sure. the street, I think. I think giving an easier dimension for the staff to then, yeah, then is, is, yeah. Help, is more helpful. And then that way, then if we need to make other minor refinements to the trellis design, you get right. you empower I mean, us to visually. It does want, I think, to extend mm -hmm. past the face of the beam. Um, you know, you want the trellis to kind of read in that way. Um, but Somewhere in between the, the face of the column and the, the left edge of the window, the east edge of the window. Sorry. Oh, so the left edge is too far still. I, I, I feel like it okay. is. Yeah. The left edge, the, the west jam edge of the front window is too okay. far. So somewhere between the column face um, and ideally closer to the column, column face um, than the west edge of the window. But um, I defer to staff, you know, kind of the final refinement. Great. I, I think, um, Charles, do you understand the direction? Um, let's see. So going back to the section, uh, you said the left edge of that opening is too short? It's too, it's too, too far. Too so, far. So he, Somewhere between the face of the column and the left edge of the window. Okay. Ideally closer to the column, but okay. You know, so commissioners, as you entertain approval, I would just recommend that you add a condition of approval that shortens the trellis to um, extend no further than the left edge of the forward facing window and to allow staff to continue to refine the design with um, the project sponsor based on the design refinements. That sounds good. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, is there a motion? Did I miss a motion? Sorry. Sorry, what? Motion. Motion, yeah, motion to approve um, with the recommended changes. Second. Commissioner Vergara, did you have a question? The, the, the changes being the shortening of the pickets or the orientation of the pickets? Sorry, um, retaining, retaining the, um, the initial orientation, uh, but shortening their extension towards the street. Of the pergola okay. yes. beams. that a second then right can I second um, that I yes. uh, sorry one other thing the railing I want to have aligned with the existing so that's also an adjustment so on sheet a dot 12 uh, the alternate design okay thank you yes I would just recommend that the maker of the motion adopt that as part of the conditions of approval. Uh, I'm glancing right now. It looks like it's uh, 2C. Here we go. And um, can you just show me which ones you're talking, which one you're talking about? 
Thank you. That's yes. So that's um, sheet A.12, um, the aligned alternate design um, shown in detail 2N. And then does okay. the seconder agree with that? Can I second that? Yes. Okay. Well, I believe Commissioner Nagas Warren seconded it. Oh. So Second. It was, Sorry. Since it was her suggestion, I'm assuming she was okay with that. There's no further discussion, Commissioners. There is a motion that has been seconded to approve with conditions as amended uh, for the sponsor to continue working with staff to continue to refine the design, shortening the extension of the trellis somewhere between the face of the column and the west edge of the window and to have the railing aligned with the existing um, referencing the alternate design. On that motion, Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Oh, I'm sorry. Commissioner Nagus Warren? Yes. And Commissioner President Matsuda? Yes. So moved, Commissioners. That motion passes unanimously four to zero. And to answer your question, Charles, Commissioner Foley's not coming back. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioners. Commissioners, that will place us on the final item on your agenda today as item 14 has been continued. Number 13, case number 2022-005084, COA for the property at 67 Potomac Street. This is a certificate of appropriateness. Thank you, Janice. Good afternoon, commissioners. Michelle Taylor, department staff. The item before you is a request for certificate of appropriateness for the property at 67 Potomac Street, located in the DeBose Park Historic District, locally designated under Article 10, Appendix N. 67 Potomac Street is a Queen Anne building. It's, three, it's a three-story over garage, wood frame residential building, um, constructed circa 1900. It's a single family home and features a gable and hip roof, a shallow bay window, and a mix of wood channel siding and wood shingles. The proposed project includes some visible alterations to the front of the property, including replacing the front steps damaged by dry rot with bulb nose wood steps to match the existing, adding a co-complying stair railing, adding a new trash door on the front stair cheek wall, enlarging the existing garage door opening from approximately seven feet nine inches to eight feet six inches, replacement of the existing wood panel garage door with a similar wood panel garage door and replacing the existing concrete driveway with permeable pavers. The non-visible alterations to the building include horizontal additions to the single family home to accommodate additional off-street parking and occupiable space. The proposed expansions include a full height rear addition that matches the height of the existing roof form, includes rear decks and infill of the building's light wells. The removal of exterior walls to accommodate the expansion of the existing single family home would exceed the thresholds of planning code section 1005F3 by 2%. I also want to note that the project will be reviewed by the Planning Commission for a conditional use authorization request required for the expansion of a single family home uh, in the Central Neighborhood's Large Residence Special Use District per Planning Code Section 249.92 and 303. 
As part of their review, the Planning Commission will take under consideration whether the project meets the residential design guidelines. The Planning Commission hearing is scheduled for October 18, 2023. Staff finds that the proposal overall is appropriate for and consistent with the purposes of Article 10 and complies with the Secretary of the Interior Standards for Rehabilitation in that the proposal respects the character defining features of the subject building. The restored features will be based on existing documentation and neighboring properties. The proposed horizontal rear addition will maintain the existing visible roof line and will not be visible from the public right of way. And the modest expansion of the upper side walls will be set back from the building face and minimally visible from the public right of way. Therefore, staff has determined that the proposed work as outlined in your case report is in conformance to the requirements outlined in Article 10 of the Planning Code and the Secretary of the Interior Standards. Furthermore, the project is consistent with Appendix N of the Article 10, which lays out additional standards of review for, DeBose Park, for the DeBose Park Historic District. The proposed project conforms to Appendix N in that the front steps will be replaced at kind and the rear addition will maintain the existing roof line and is not visible from the street. The department has received comments from some neighbors, including immediately adjacent neighbors regarding the massing of the addition, uh, the rear addition in relationship to the neighboring property. The department has not received comments related to changes visible from the street. Based on the historic preservation analysis, staff recommends approval. This concludes my presentation and I'm available to answer any questions. I will now turn it over to the project sponsor team. Thank you. Project sponsor, you have five minutes. Good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, thank you so much. My name is Brooks McDonald, uh, architect on the project. Um, I know that there's a lot of material in all of these documents, but I just wanted to highlight the three changes that would be perceived from the public right away. First is a modest expansion of the garage door of nine inches, uh, replicating the garage door that's there with a new one. Um, the stairs are in beyond disrepair and need to be replaced and, uh, with, uh, and brought up to code compliance. Um, but thanks to working with staff, we've um, integrated uh, a lot of details to make sure that they are replicated using all of the character defining features that exist uh, with the existing stair. And it's our intention to um, replicate exactly what's there. Um, we also took some other measures at the recommendation of staff to um, um, take other character defining features into account. Um, instead of replacing the windows, we're choosing to repair them uh, and only replace the glass, but keep all of the sashes and the OG lugs and other um, uh, architectural details. Um, as uh, was also mentioned by staff, there's a modest uh, expansion at the top right of the front facade, but that expansion will occur three feet back from the front of the building. And so as described in the, in the documents here, it'll be minimally um, appreciated from the street. And um, I just wanna reiterate that it's our intention to really keep the facade and all of the character defining features as they are today with just these little, uh, a few modest changes to accommodate how the uh, family needs to be able to use the house. Uh, thank you so much.
Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Allison Posey. I'm the homeowner. 67 Potomac uh, Street is my home where I live with my family. Um, we, we bought the home seven years ago and have lived in it since then. And we love that we are in a historic district. Um, we were attracted to the beauty of Potomac Street. I hope you're familiar with it. Um, we, we aim to preserve and improve our property um, with our plan. And um, we appreciate uh, your efforts and the neighbor, uh, the city's efforts to, uh, to support that and contribute to the preservation of the DeBose Park neighborhood historic area. Um, we appreciate that we have a painted lady of sorts on Potomac that we are caretakers of. And um, people walk down, I work from home many days a week, and people walk down Potomac Street in the middle of the street because it's a dead end. And I watch them from my window, from my desk, appreciating both homes on both sides of the street. I take great pride in seeing them look at the beauty of my home. But it needs, it needs some help like the stairs that they mentioned are, are visibly um, depreciating. Um, the, the garage door, we're asking for a minimal expansion. Um, our car is, has been damaged numerous occasions as we carefully inch out, so carefully, out of the garage door multiple times a day. And our concern would be that if we, if we continue to have the, the limitation of the garage door the way it is, would be inclined to park on the driveway. And to be honest, like that would deter from the beauty of our street. Like we regularly make an effort to park inside our, our garage. And um, I get one of the other things, one of the invisible things that um, we would be doing is um, the foundation and structurally supporting this so that in the event of um, an earthquake or some sort of damage that our home, the facade would be better preserved by making these investments that we're doing. So um, we please ask for your support on this effort. Thank you. Okay, if that concludes sponsor's presentation, we should open public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this item. If you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand. Um, Seeing no members of the public in the chambers, let's go to our remote callers. Ms. Podruchny. Yes, hello. I'm Heather Podruchny. Thank you for um, allowing me to speak. I live at 68 Pier Street. Um, we're a neighbor of Allison's and Tommaso's directly behind them. Can you hear me okay? Just fine. Super. Um, we went through our own house remodel very similar to them uh, about five, starting five years ago and went through the exact same process that Allison and Tommaso are going through um, equally compared to Allison's. We, we purchased our house in 2012. The house was extremely run down. Um, but we fell in love with the neighborhood. So with our, and we love the fact that it's historic. If, similarly, if you walk down um, Pierce Street, just like Potomac on these dead end streets, it's super beautiful. 
So we're very proud to be in the neighborhood. Um, so our process, very similar to Allison and Tommaso, we completely maintain the facade of our building. We have similar wooden shingles, gables. We're the famous Twin Peak roof, the only Twin Peak in the neighborhood. And um, our remodel also had included um, redoing the front steps, which were beyond just repair, and also were completely not compliant with current standards. They were too steep. So ours were extended a bit. We also made to, were able to make changes to our garage door to help support the foundation better. And we also did a completely new foundation in order to protect against future earthquakes. And then um, ours as well did include an, a similar expansion that Allison and Tomasa want to do. However, we've made the same efforts as they have with maintaining the facade and um, making sure that the view from the street was never changed. And it's important to updo these houses and preserve the neighborhood um, and the beautiful, the fact that it's a conservation area. So I'm speaking just to completely uh, support Allison and Tommaso with their project. Mr. Purak. Hi, uh, thank you. Uh, my name is Jack Purak. I am also a neighbor of Allison and Tomasa's. Uh, me and my family live at 63 Potomac Street in a house that uh, is actually quite similar to Allison and Tomasa's and was built by the same builder at the same time. Um, we, uh, we too have gone through a similar process and have renovated our house while preserving the historic nature and the, and the street um, views of the house. Uh, I wanted to just uh, call and uh, let everyone know that we as neighbors support everything that they're trying to do to both preserve and improve their property and, and also the street um, character in general. So um, I appreciate your consideration. Okay, last call for public comment. Seeing no additional requests to speak, Commissioner's public comment is closed and this matter is now before you. Commissioner Nuggis Warren. Um, it is my understanding that we are, our purview is the um, right of way, public right of way, correct? Um, yes. The the Bose Park Historic District, the way the designation was created is it was really meant to focus on street visible elements. And so even rare additions are, uh, are eligible for administrative certificates of appropriateness. Um, it was, it, it really is uh, more focused on what's street visible. Um, so the character defined features are visible, are, those elements that are visible from the street. Thank you. Yes. Um, Thank you. I had some comments on the rear facade. I don't know if we want to get into that or not, but. Sure, you can, you're welcome to um, provide the comments to us. And then at the Planning Commission hearing, we're happy to um, send forward the HBC's comments on the overall design of the proposal. Okay, um, and I was only able to 
sort of see the um, two adjacent buildings um, in the packet uh, with the rendering that you did. One had a peaked roof and the other one had a one-sided roof um, that was uh, a gable. Um, and then this one removed its gable and uh, created a sort of more of a rectilinear uh, addition, which um, really is very obvious and um, a little modern um, and discontinuous with the other buildings. Um, I almost feel like the top floor could benefit from a sloped roof of some sort to bring down the, the prominence of it in the back. Um, and then as far as uh, just uh, interventions as you're going through the design process. We just had a project that came to us as a, um, uh, what do you call it, violation. Um, and that along the line of, of design, they ended up putting all their mechanical equipment on the side of the building, which was detracting and the neighbors were not um, appreciative of that. So working with your neighbor is always a good thing. Um, and also internalizing uh, any sort of mechanical or uh, equipment and things like that along the way would be appreciated. Um, and that was, yeah, thank you. Commissioner Wright. Yeah, I have one, one I need, I guess, one point of clarification. Uh, I think I heard, um, that is is it the the main front door is proposed to be replaced or was that maybe just the garage door just the garage door just the garage door Sorry the about that. the original front door at the top of the steps will remain as shown in the drawings that's correct okay and is there a reason that there's like dimensioning on that um sorry okay just for your reference Okay, um, I don't have any other comments or questions, thanks. Thank you. Is there a motion? I'll move to approve. Second, are you ready? Second. Thank you, commissioners, on that motion to approve with conditions, Commissioner Vergara, or excuse me, just to approve, right? conditions on that motion Commissioner Vergara yes Commissioner Wright yes Commissioner Foley I'm sorry Commissioner Nuggets Warren yes and Commission President Matsuda yes so move commissioners that motion passes unanimously four to zero and concludes your hearing today commissioners thank you